0: prayer for you this morning that it would be well uh, with your soul, no matter where this day finds you. You know, across our nation, uh, we're all dealing with different forms of what it means to stay at home. And uh, we are six weeks into stay at home, uh, at least in my house. And so I think it's safe to say that tensions are getting higher. And so the more that we move through this season, uh, the more tension I think that we all are going to experience. We are all going to experience some level of conflict. And if you haven't already, then you are going to you're going to be experiencing it at some point. We all experience uh conflict. I know in my house uh conflict has been uh very easy to find. In fact, uh this past week I was I was working on my sermon at home, and I, I tell you, I sure miss my my coffee shops. So I didn't realize Uh, I I get to the office and, um, you know, we're still working out of our office. Our office is still open as we meet the needs of people in our church family and in our community. And so I can come to the office to work, but I find myself a lot of the time just wanting to go home and, you know, be with Carolyn and and, uh, working from home. And just in the simple act of working at home, even on my sermon, uh, we can run into conflict. In fact, on my couch. We have a little Maltese and uh, it's got a little mat on the couch. And so I, I moved the mat for the dog so I could sit down and, you know, put my stuff there. And, and I'm about 10 minutes into working on my sermon last week. And this little dog comes walking up and looking at me like, you are in my spot. <laughs> and so and so I got this little thing going on with the dog. And then Carolyn walks by and I got my legs up and, and she can't get around me. And I'm sitting on the couch working on my sermon. I'm, I'm causing conflict in my house with just as simple as... Something simple like working on the couch, working on a sermon. And I don't know what's going on in your house, uh, but I know that there's conflict in our homes. I know that there are people that, even if they don't like being around people, um, are feeling lonely and isolated right now. I saw a uh, joke last week that said, hey, if you're an introvert, you need to check on your extrovert friends because they're not okay. No one is okay right now, regardless of your disposition. I know some of you have kids at home. You know, our schools are now gonna be canceled through the end of this through the end of the academic school year. And so many of you have kids at home and you're trying to work from home and you've got your kids there and, and trust me, that's causing conflict. Or maybe you've got your kids at home and and, and you're not working right now because because your business has been shut down and, and you're trying to figure out what to do with your time and now all of a sudden you're in this home with all these kids and all these people, and I I can guarantee you there's conflict there as well. And some of you are experiencing that. You know, some of you are experiencing further issues with financial hardships. You know, it's been an encouragement for us to be able to come along several families uh, in our church, and our community, kind of help uh, in some way. Uh, but many of you are facing, you know, financial crisis right now. And this is making it that much more worse. You know, you're trying to figure out how to get your taxes done or you've turned in your taxes and you're trying to figure out how to pay the tax bill. And we're, we're waiting for our stimulus check and, and we're looking at the government on a routine basis to find out exactly how we're supposed to be living our life. Many of you are experiencing that right now. And some of you have have lost friends or family or loved ones uh, to a virus. Some of you might be sick right now, and you're going through that right now as well. You know, there is conflict in every single home right now across our nation. There is conflict. I can tell you right now that you can't put everyone under a roof for 60 days and not experience some level of conflict. It's unavoidable. But you know what? Conflict doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Conflict can be healthy if we embrace it from a biblical perspective. We want to look this this week and, and through this series at what it means to be a, a peacemaker. How in the context of our relationships and in the context of conflict can we speak as peacemakers into our situations? That's what this series is all about. It's about being a peacemaker and working through conflict and, and restoring the, the, our relationships to how God has attended them. You know, this series is about letting the power of Jesus transform our relationships for his glory and so that we could be drawn closer to him and to one another. In his book, uh, The Peacemaker, written by uh, Ken uh, Sandy, he talks about the different responses that people have to conflict. And he likens conflict to a slippery slope. And so I want you just to, for a moment, just to to raise your hand with me and, and make a fist. And so this is conflict and every one of us have to deal with conflict in some way or another. And so this is conflict. And so you've got your fist on top, you know, make your fist there and then, and then put your other hand on top of it. And so this is you on top of your conflict. And so there's this slippery slope that Ken Sandy talks about. And it's, it's almost as if the top of the slope is covered with ice. And as you get closer to one of the edges, you, you start to slip off. And so the goal for us is, in conflict and resolution is to try to stay at the top of this slope so that we don't fall one way or another. And so he talks about conflict, and there's, he looks at three different responses that each of us has to uh, conflict. Whenever there's conflict, there's three different responses that we can have uh, with regard to that. And so at the end of our time together this morning, I'm going to ask you three questions that reflect how you respond um, to conflict. But the first response to conflict is, is that we can start to attack. And so we're on the top of this slippery slope managing our conflict. And, and when conflict comes, some people step into it. They, they get defensive. They, they, they start to blame people. And they get closer to the edge of the slippery slope. And if they're not careful, they're going to, they're going to slip off and they're going to spiral down and, and conflict is actually going to get worse. And when the conflict gets worse, it turns into verbal abuse. It turns into physical abuse. And you need to know those, those behaviors are not okay. But it's, if you can catch yourself early enough before you slip off that slope, then that's a, that's a good thing. And so we want to try to stay at the top of our conflict, at the top of the slope, so that we don't slip down and attack the people around us. Some people's default position when it comes to conflict is to assault and to attack and to lash out. And that results ultimately in broken relationships. And so in any conflict, the first question to ask yourself is, how are you attacking the people around you? Because that is one of the responses that people have when it comes to conflict. The other conflict that some people have is they begin to pull back. And so they begin to move towards the other side of that slippery slope. And they start to pull back and they start to slip down. And you know what? That's not healthy either. Sometimes when people get into conflict situations, they become silent. They're not willing to talk and they start to pull back from their relationships. And before you know it, they've slipped down this slope and and that leads to emotional withdrawal. It leads to an unwillingness to work on situations and it's a flight response. And so some people, when conflict occurs, start to slip off that other side of the relationship. And that's what leads to, you know, depression and self-destruction. And that is in and of itself also something that breaks our relationships. And so the second question to ask yourself is, is, how are you escaping? And so when it comes to conflict, you are either attacking or you are escaping. And so those are two very common responses, but there's a third response. And that's what this series is all about. The third response is, is that I wanna be a peacemaker when it comes to conflict. You know, the third question to ask yourself is, is how can you be a peacemaker when it comes to the conflict in your life? You don't need to attack and you don't need to flee. You can be a peacemaker when it comes to managing conflict. And that's what this series is all about. It's about being a peacemaker in the midst of conflict. If you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me for a moment to the book of Matthew in uh, chapter 5. You can just go to the middle of your Bible, uh, start turning to the right. You'll probably open up in Psalms, go 20 chapters to the right, um, and you'll land on Matthew. If you get to Mark or Luke, you've gone too far. Uh, but I want to encourage you to, um, to to have a Bible with you. If you don't, then you can just listen along as I uh, read from Matthew uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Uh, there's a crowd that has gathered around Jesus, uh, and he goes up on the mountain, and he sits down, and the disciples come to him. And, and, and Jesus would deliver um, his first sermon in uh, Matthew chapter 5. And this sermon would go all the way through Matthew chapter 7. In fact, one day I'm going to look at Jesus' sermon. We'll do a series on the the sermon of Jesus. There's so much to learn from that. But I want to look at the beginning of his sermon. He talks about some blessings that are ours as a result of who we are in Christ. Beginning in verse 2, he says this. He opened his mouth and he taught the people that had gathered together. And he said this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And then he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he gives these eight blessings to open up his sermon. And I want to stop there for a moment. Because these blessings that are available to us, these are not a list of ways that we can make the world better. These are blessings that are available to us right now because of who we are in Christ. We can experience these blessings right now. When you make a faith commitment, when you ask Christ to come into your life and become your Lord and Savior, Scripture tells us that you died to yourself, the old is gone, and you become a new creation. You are new in Christ. And as a result of this new life in Christ, we can experience these blessings. That's what these blessings are for. They're for people that have have come into a relationship with Christ and understand who they are before God. And these are blessings that we can experience right now. For example, it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You know, what is mercy? Mercy is is when you don't get something that you deserve to get. And so when something happens, I can ask for mercy. And the person that I'm asking can choose whether or not to give me the consequence of whatever behavior it is that has been called into question. And so God, in his mercy, when we come to him and ask for forgiveness through Christ, withholds the punishment that is due to us because of who we are in Christ. Blessed are the merciful. You are blessed because of who you are in Christ. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The opposite of that effect is, is that we're going to experience God's wrath and His judgment. And so, but because of who we are in Christ, we can experience mercifulness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When I ask Christ to come into my life, He makes me new. I am now one with Christ and I experience a peace. I experience a purity in my heart. I am made new. I am now righteous before God and my heart is pure because of who I am in Christ. And as a result, I am blessed and I will see God. I will have a relationship with him and I will see him with clarity as I study and read his word. And I have the assurance of heaven. I have the promise of this new life and I have the assurance of heaven because of my pure heart, because of who I am in Christ. Each one of these blessings in and of themselves is, is overwhelming. When you look at the whole list, it really is overwhelming how God has blessed us beyond all belief because of who we are in Christ. But I want to focus for a moment on, on verse 9, where it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. And when he talks about sons of God here, he's, he's not talking about a male child's son. What he's referring to is that it's a descendant of who God is. We're descendants, we're offspring, we're, we're, we're children of God, we're, we're a part of that human race. And so he's not specifically talking about, you know, sons as a male child, but all of us, because of who we are in Christ, are now descendants with Abraham because of who we've been called into relationship with God. We are all offspring, we're all children of God, if we are secure in who we are in Christ. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3, it says, for in Christ Jesus, we are all sons of God through faith. John would write in chapter 1, to all who received Jesus, who asked Jesus to come into their life, who believed in his name, who have placed their faith in him, he gives the right to be called children of God. And so God loves the entire world. John 3.16 said, God loves the world so much that he gave his son but only those that have placed their faith in Christ, who have believed in his name and who have asked him to come into their life, does he call sons of God. You know, we are blessed as peacemakers if we are secure in who we are in Christ. As a child of God, we are called to be peacemakers. If we're not called to be children of God, then the opposite would be true and we're outside of God's family and there is no blessing. The blessing comes because of who we are in Christ. Blessed shall be called the peacemakers. The blessing comes from having a relationship with Christ. And you have, to, and you have the capacity to experience all of these blessings. All of these blessings are available to you. But with this season that we're going through right now, I want to focus specifically on what it means to be a peacemaker. And I want to encourage you that if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you know, that is going to be your first step. We're going to talk about that a little bit more at the end of this message. And if you didn't have an opportunity to listen to uh, our Easter service um, last Sunday, I want to encourage you to listen to that. We talked very clearly about how to have a relationship with Christ. We want people to be secure in who they are in Christ so they can experience these blessings. You know, if you have questions about that on your welcome card online, you can fill that out. I'm going to give you a number to text uh, in just a few moments towards the end of our service. But we want to encourage you to think through and to be secure in who you are in Christ, because that's where these blessings come from. God is a peace-loving God. He is a peacemaking God with a history of redeeming his people, climaxing at the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God's purpose is to bring peace between us and him. And, and, and we're to love one another as a result of that. In fact, in Matthew 22, it says that all the commands of scripture, the two that are most important is that we love God and we love others. Everything hangs on that love that we have for God and one another. And we do that as a result of this peacemaking in our relationships. We've been, we've been made peaceful in our relationship with God, and we can experience peace in our relationships with one another. You know, Carolyn and I, we have, uh, we have four girls, and... Uh, I, I love our girls, and uh, we, we love doting on them and talking about them. And, and uh, the last couple of weeks, Carolyn and I have been talking about which one of the girls are most, most like each of us. And so I have the four girls. Two of them are like me, and two of them are like Carolyn. And I, I tell you, I feel sorry for the ones that are, are like me. Uh, Carolyn is my better half. And, and so. But, you know, our kids take on some of the characteristics of their parents. You know, and just like children take on characteristics of their parents, We as Christ followers, we should see God's character in us as well. What God loves, I love. What he pursues, I pursue. And being a peacemaker is rooted in the very nature of who we are called to be in Christ. You know someone as a child of God by whether or not they are willing to make sacrifices for peace. The way that God did. And right now, we need a lot of peace. But you know what's interesting about peace? Peacemaking has nothing to do with us. Peacemaking is not our ability to step in and resolve conflict. Peacemaking has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. In fact, you cannot be a peacemaker apart from Christ. In John chapter 14, uh, Jesus is with the disciples and he's talking to them about the fact that he's going to be leaving them and he's going to be going to heaven. And they're distraught and they're, they're, uh, their hearts are troubled. And so Jesus is talking to him about the fact that he's going to be leaving them. And he says, you know, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And so Jesus would talk about the fact that he's going to be leaving them. He gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit. And towards the end of uh, chapter 14, he says this in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not peace as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let neither they be afraid. Take this peace that I am leaving with you. Jesus Christ gives us peace. And it's a peace that's completely different than anything that we could experience in this world. It's a peace from coming from the fact that we are secure in who he is, that we know where we're going and that we have the promise of a helper. And so in John 14, Jesus gives us the peace that we have an opportunity to share with others. If a little further on in John chapter 16, he continues to teach on the role of the Holy Spirit. In verse 33, he says this, I've said these things to you that in me, you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. There's nothing that should surprise us about what's happening in the world. We know it's going to be turbulent. We know there's going to be conflict. Jesus tells us these things so that we can find our peace in him. The peace that we are experiencing has nothing to do with our circumstances, but knowing that God is in control and has a plan for our life. It's a peace that comes from knowing and being secure in who we are in Christ. Peacemaking is not stepping in and breaking up a fight. That's not what peacemaking is. Being a peacemaker is bringing the peace that Christ gave you into any situation so that his peace can be made known and so that relationships can be reconciled both between one another and with god peacemaking is about sharing the peace that we have in christ with others in any situation so that that peace can be made known and so when we start to slip off this slippery slope instead of attacking we need to come back towards the top and we need to stop and we need to ask am i being a peacemaker Or when we start to withdraw in our relationships or we start giving people the silent treatment or we start to break off relationships with people around us, it's about coming back up and stepping back and saying, hey, how can I bring the peace that I have in Christ into the relationship that I am a part of? You know, to be a peacemaker is to make something. It's to bring something into existence. It's to produce it or to bring it out like, voila, here's the peace of Christ that I have in this situation. You know, to make something is to cause something to be brought out. And for us, we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit that is working in us. Peacemakers use the peace of Jesus, and they use the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about transformed relationships. That peace of who we are in Christ and that power of the Holy Spirit has reconciled us to a loving God that wants a relationship with us. And that same peace and that same Holy Spirit that was available to us is available to enable us to bring peace into our own relationships. It's life transforming. It's relationship transforming. Peacemaking is a disciple-making activity. It is the process of our becoming more like Christ and helping others to become more like Christ as well. And Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. He was the ultimate peacemaker. He was filled with a life mission to do his Father's will and to bring about reconciliation for between us and a God that loves us about bringing reconciliation and the peace of God into our lives so that we could in turn share that with others in Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 it says that this that that though uh, uh, that though the father uh, was pleased in Christ to reconcile everything to, to himself by making peace the blood of Jesus Christ we have been called into that that through faith In Christ, the Father was pleased to reconcile himself by making peace through the blood of the cross. All reconciliation begins by understanding who we are at Christ and looking at what Christ accomplished for us at the cross. Jesus is the ultimate example of bringing peace in our own hearts, in our relationships, in our lives, in our church, in our nation, and in our world. Real peace, lasting peace, life-changing peace the peace that we all desperately need, but surprisingly very few people experience, is actually available to those that are in Christ. It's available only through Christ because he is the ultimate peace keeper. And so this morning, I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you do, are you living in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because those two components are the foundation for what it means to be a peacemaker as you think about how you're working through conflict in your life. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, that is your first step. I want to encourage you, go back and listen to our Easter message. But you know what? You don't have to listen to a message. Let me just let you know that our sin separates us from God. And, and, and we need to acknowledge that. And we need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for that sin. For that sin. And, and if we believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he did die on the cross for our sins, and we believe he was raised from the grave, and we place our faith in him, then we have the assurance of salvation. And so if that's not something you've ever done, it's simple as praying and asking Christ to come into your life. The Spirit of God is external in the life of a non-believer. The Spirit of God is external in the life of a Non-Christian. A Christian is someone that understands their need for a relationship with Christ and has asked him to come in and take control. And they've made him his Lord and Savior. This morning, if you want to do that, if you want to make a faith commitment, you can pray that prayer. It's not the words, but if in your heart you want to have a relationship with Christ, all you have to do is ask. And if you pray that prayer this morning and you want to have a relationship with Christ, I want to encourage you just to let us know how we can help you do that. You know, on, the, on the website, if you're viewing online, there's a place for you to uh, open up our online welcome you know, communication card. And if you can go on there, just let us know that you were here. Give us your name, your contact number. And if you have, if you have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, um, you know, we want to help you with that. And if you want to pray that prayer this morning and, and you want to pray those words and you do that and you make a faith come up this morning, we want to celebrate that with you as well. We want to help people to understand the security of who they are in Christ so that they can in fact be peacemakers. So the number to send your text to is 84576, 84576. And if you made a faith commitment at Easter, or if you want to make a faith commitment this morning, maybe you want to pray that prayer with somebody this morning, we want to encourage you to text SB Faith to that phone number, 84576. Just let us know you made a faith commitment or you want to make a faith commitment. Or if you want to experience more of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you know, we want to be able to pray with you and help you so that you can experience the blessings and the peace that comes from being secure in who you are in Christ so that you can be a peacemaker. And you can do that by texting SB Connect uh, to that same number, 84576, SB Connect. We'd love the opportunity to help you to experience more of the fullness of who you are in Christ. Our ministry exists to reach our community for Christ and to make passionate followers. And if we can help you in any way do that, we will love the opportunity uh, to help you with that. This morning, I want to ask you though, are you experiencing conflict? Are you experiencing any conflict anywhere in your life today? If you're not, then there's probably something wrong. We're all experiencing conflict. But I told you this morning, I was going to ask you three questions at the beginning of our time together. And I want to ask you those three questions again. I want to ask you, are you an attacker when it comes to conflict in your life? Do you attack the people around you? Do you get loud? Do you get angry? Do you blame? Are you an attacker in your conflict? Or are you an escaper? Do you withdraw? Do you get quiet? Do you find yourself getting depressed? Do you fall off of that slippery slope either way? You know, we want to encourage you to work towards the center of becoming a peacemaker. The third question is, are you a peacemaker? In fact, if you haven't used that online welcome communication card yet, if you fill that out this morning, um, I will send you in the mail, uh, if we have your contact information, I'll send you in the mail a copy of this this slippery slope that you can put up on your refrigerator so that you can constantly be aware of how you're handling conflict in your relationships. You know, we don't want to be attackers. We don't want to be, you know, escapers. We want to be peacemakers. And if you have an aggressive response in conflict, if you're an attacker, stop getting angry and blaming others. Work on being a better listener. And if you are, if you are verbal or you're physical in, in your conflict, you need to know that that's unacceptable. We, need to, I, we teach our kids, we need to keep our hands to ourselves, And we need to teach our kids to use their words. And if you are, if you are more prone to verbal and, and physical attacking, then you need to know we can help you with that. You know, we've got a group of counselors. We have a large counseling uh, staff that we have relationships with at Springbrook. And we want to get you help. Or you can talk to any member of our pastoral staff or our team members. You can talk to your leader. If you struggle with the attacking part of conflict, we want to help you to be able to move up to the top of that slope so that you can be a peacemaker. And if you are an escaper in conflict, you know what? If you're an avoider, that's not healthy either. The silent treatment is not a good solution to working through conflict. You need to find a safe place and a way to open up and to share what you're feeling. Emotional withdrawal is not healthy. And if you struggle with depression, it's okay to ask for help. On either side of this slippery slope, it's okay to ask for help. We don't want people to be attacking or be withdrawing in their conflict. We want to move people up towards the top of being peacemakers. Each week in this series, we're going to be looking at one of the components of what it means to be a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker is about putting the needs of others before your own needs. Because of who you are in Christ, you're able to put their needs ahead of your own. Jesus was able to look down from that cross and say, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. It gives us a great example of what it means to be a peacemaker. It's about putting the needs of others before your own. It's about crawling up to the top of that slippery slope and not escaping and not attacking, but being purposeful and intentional about peacemaking in your relationship. Being a peacemaker is about taking the peace that God has given you and bringing it to any situation where God can get the glory. Not you or me, but God. I don't want anybody ever saying, wow, Richard's really a good conflict resolver. It's not about what we can do. It's about relying on and bringing the peace that Christ gives us into a situation so that God can be glorified. And peacemaking will only occur when the peace of Christ has reconciled the relationship and God has been glorified. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is writing about a conflict that the early church is experiencing. They're talking about what kind of meat they can eat or what kind of meat they can't eat. And so they're talking about meat that's been sacrificed to idols. And Paul surrenders his rights as a Christ follower. He says, if I'm with somebody and I'm eating meat and I'm trying to talk to them about Christ, then I'm going to give up my right not to eat that meat. But if somebody that I'm with thinks it's important for me not to eat that meat then I'm not going to eat that meat. I'm going to do whatever I do for the glory of God so that I can win some of these people to Christ. And so Paul, as you move through chapter 9 and in 10, is talking about our rights. What are we supposed to do because of the law? And what do we have the freedom to do because of who we are in Christ? And as you move down through chapter 9 and into chapter 10, Paul gives some warning about idolatry. Just because I have this freedom in, in, in Christ, just because I. Experience these freedoms does not give me a rationale for me to be able to do whatever I want to do. I'm I'm still bound by being an example of who I am in Christ. And so he's talking about our freedoms. And when he gets to the end of chapter 10, he says this in verse 31. He says, whatever you do, whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Give no one offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Paul says, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that many may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You know, we have to be sensitive to the people around us. We don't want to be stumbling blocks. You know, it's one of the reasons that I've made a decision that I, I am not going to drink alcohol. Well, if I'm around somebody, if you walked into a restaurant somewhere and you saw Pastor Rich over there pounding down a beer, you know, that communicates to you. It's like, hey, look, he's doing it. I can do it. And so if I'm not careful, my behavior can cause somebody else to stumble. And so I'm very careful about whether or not I'm going to drink. But if I'm with my wife and we're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary or our 30th wedding anniversary and my wife orders a glass of wine, am I going to drink a glass of wine with her? Sure I'm going to. I'm going to share that with her as a part of our celebration. And so there's a legalistic part of how we all operate out of our faith. Do we do things because of the law or we do things because we're who we are in Christ? You know, I can't think of a better example than what we're doing with masks right now. It's like, you know, I feel like I'm healthy and so I don't wear my mask in my house. And so I'm not walking around the house with my mask on. If I get close to Carolyn, I'm not wearing a mask. But somebody walks up and says, where's your mask? I mean, well, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm okay. And so I have watched so many conversations as simply about whether or not we're wearing masks destroy relationships. You know, we need to put the needs of others above ourselves. And so I've been well, I feel well. It's been two weeks and I'm, I'm still confused about when this two week thing's gonna start over. I mean, I was here today. Do I need to start over? And so I'm comfortable with my health. I feel like I'm doing social distancing. I'm washing my hands. I'm being very careful around me. And when I get around somebody that I, that I know is clean and, and they've been well, I, you know, we came together this morning and we weren't wearing a mask. And so um, I feel safe in this environment. But if somebody came to me and said, I don't feel safe in this environment. You need to wear a mask. And you know what? Then I should probably put my mask on. I'm not going to have an argument with them about whether or not I should be wearing a mask. You know, if that's someplace that they're at, then I'll wear my mask for their benefit. But you know what? Those are the kind of things that just easily destroy relationships. And it might be as simply as, it might not even be a mask. It might be, how do you raise your kids? It might be, where are we going to go for dinner? I've seen some of the most unbelievable fights break out in the context of relationships over some of the silliest things in the context of our relationships. When it comes to conflict, people go straight for the attack or they go straight for the withdrawal. I mean, we fall down this slippery slope so easy. It's our goal to step back and say, hey, because of who I am, Christ, I want to pull our relationship back up to the top. And I want to look for an opportunity for the peace of Christ to reign and be sufficient in this relationship so that God gets glorified and others can see and come to know who Christ is. You know, Paul says, I try to keep peace in every, with everyone and in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that many may be saved. If someone comes to faith in Christ because I'm wearing a mask, and I'm telling you right now, baby, I am wearing a mask. You know, we need to think about how do we put the needs of others ahead of ourselves so that God can be glorified. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, whatever you're doing, do to the glory of God. When it comes to conflict in our relationships, we need to be thinking about what can I do to bring God glory in this? And you can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can only do that because of who you are in Christ. Trust me, there's times when I've said, okay, I'm going to give this one to God. You know what? That's okay. Because if I can bring our conflict, if I can bring my relationship up to the top of that slippery slope, then I can be a peacemaker. And when that happens, God gets the glory. Give no offense to the Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. And so if you're on the top of this, don't do anything that's going to cause a relationship to slip down that slope. Give no offense to the Jews, to the Greeks, to the church of God. Think about how you're behaving. How are you talking? What do other people see in you? That's emotional intelligence. Be aware of yourself and how others are perceiving you. Don't do anything to offend other people. Put their needs ahead of your own. In verse 33, he says, Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, I do not seek my own advantage, but that many may be saved. Don't seek your own advantage. Put the needs of others ahead of your own. And as a result of that, others will see the work that Christ is doing in you, and they will be drawn to Christ. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 42, it was that fellowship of the believers. It was their breaking of bread. It was their devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. It was a sense of awe in their relationship. And it says people on the outside looked in. They saw what they had, and God drew them to that. The Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved because of the faithfulness, because of the work that Christ was doing in and through the lives of the people in the church. When people look at Springbrook Church, I want people on the outside to say, that is a church that loves one another. That is a church that loves God. That is a church where relationships are important. It's my prayer that through the working of this ministry, that others would see and believe and be saved. That was Paul's prayer. That was what Paul said. I do everything so that others might be one to Christ. And then he says in verse one of chapter 11, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And there's a whole lot of be imitators of me that you find in churches today. It's my prayer that through our sermons, through our teaching, through our small group leaders, through our children's ministry, that every aspect of our ministry, others can see the work that Christ is doing in them and be drawn to that. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am in Christ. And so it's my prayer that as we go through this series together, that you would see Christ more clearly, that you would have more of a sense of the hope that is ours in Christ, that you would experience the blessings that we can experience because of that security. And so this morning, I want to ask you, are you an attacker in your conflict? You know, are you an escaper in your conflict? Or are you a peacemaker? This series is about helping people to be peacemakers. Our lesson from this morning was we need to put the needs of others above our own. If we can do that, then we can move our conflict back up to the top and be peacemakers. But it begins with who you are in Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, that is your first step. And we'd love the opportunity to connect with you and to help you be able to do that. If we can help you experience more of the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, we want to help you to be able to do that. You can text Springbrook Faith or Springbrook Connect to 84576, and we'll follow back up with you next week. Or if you haven't had an opportunity to fill out that online connection card, um, you can still do that. Go to springbrook.org slash live. There's a link for you there. If you're using our Facebook Live feature, there should be a link at the top. It's got a link that you can follow. We would love the opportunity um, to hear from you. And if you fill out that card, I'll send you one of those slippery slope diagrams that we're going to be using as we move through this series together. And if you're a first-time guest with us at Springbrook this morning, or if you give uh, online for the first time this morning, I've got a special gift for you. I'll give you a copy of Ken Sandy's book, The Peacemaker, that I know will be an encouragement to you. And I'll put a link up for you as well uh, that you can uh, uh, pick up as well. Uh, But I want to encourage you through this series to be praying that God would give you the strength and the power to be a peacemaker in your relationships, in your home, in your workplace, in this church, in our community, on your Facebook feed and in this world. It all begins with who we are in Christ. I want to thank you for being with us this morning, and I am so excited about what I know God is going to do in and through us, um, through this series together. If you've got any questions along the way, we'd love the opportunity um, to hear from you. But let's commit our deity uh, to the Lord together, that he would be glorified, and that we would be peacemakers. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the hope and the security of who I am in Christ and for the blessings that I'm able to experience because of that. God, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit on my friends in my own life. God, that we would be able to experience the fullness, the blessing of who we are in Christ. That was Jesus' prayer in John 10, 10, that he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. And so I pray for a fullness of life uh, for my friends this morning. And God, I pray that you would use this season that you would use this message to draw people into a relationship with yourself, that they might be, as Paul said, saved. God, I just pray that you would draw people that do not have a relationship with Christ to yourself this morning, and that we can be a part of helping them to be able to make that decision, that we can help people to be able to grow in their faith. I thank you for the ministry that you've entrusted to our care and for your provision for it. And God, I just thank you for our time together this morning. We do all of these things for your glory so that others can come to know believe in Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, Next week, Pastor Tim's going to continue our series. Uh, Pastor Matt and he and I have been breaking through this series. You can go online to uh, springbrook.org. You'll see the series outline. I'm really looking forward to what God's going to do in and through us together, and I'm glad that you uh, were with us this morning as we kicked off this series. Have a great day. Uh, Be peacemakers, and God bless you.